Hello and welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I am Hamish, the final frontier, Steel. And I'm Jade, bitchin', Rose. <laughs> And it's a catch-up geek-out time. It's been a stupidly long time since we've been in the same room to record an episode. I mean, we've been in the same room, but there was mm-hmm. no microphone involved. It was very noisy, lots of background noise. We also had all these plans of coming back after Comic-Con and recording episodes. We were sleepy. It's a tiring show. It was tiring. Uh, but uh, since our time with a microphone between us, we have been gorging ourselves on a smorgasbord <laughs> of media. And uh, we've been desperate to talk about it, so... Here we are. Yeah, it feels like maybe this is the time of the year where a lot of things happen. A lot of new shows, a lot of yeah. new films. Well, that's the thing in America. It's like September. It's like autumn, isn't it? Like things come seem to come out. Like you have your summer blockbuster rush, and mm. then, or maybe it's just because you're indoors more. You're just like, oh, I'll watch that film, or I'll watch that TV show, or or maybe like TV, yeah. maybe. T- maybe like TV networks capitalize on that, just like because well, people are indoors more. Yeah, I think it's changing with streaming services like Netflix. Don't think they care so much, but hmm. something that's very different in the US to the UK is how all TV shows start and end at the same time. Yeah. And they all have sweeps, weeks, yeah. and all kinds of stuff, which is so bizarre to me because. They're how. You're- America, 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 we love you, but your country is bizarre in so many ways. It's. America's bizarre. I think its most bizarre aspect is that it thinks the bizarre things it do, does is, like, the universal norm. And, like, it's not just, like, a UK thing. Like, often the rest of the world does something very differently. Yeah. Um, also, we talked a lot about how much we love Halloween in a recent episode, so... That's true. America, we also love America. Yeah. Or American thing. We love Amer- we, we, America. Those of those of you who are listening, you know that we love you. <laughs> yes. Currently, in the rest of the world currently in a complicated relationship with America. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do think this time of year there's a lot of shows starting, a lot of shows ending, um, a lot of new films. Let's talk movies. What have you seen recently? The only thing I have seen recently at the cinema, and to be honest, it was so good. I feel <laughs> like it doesn't matter that it's the only thing. I saw Thor Ragnarok. <sighs> <laughs> Both sigh. Yeah, that the happy, happy sigh of contentment. By all means, not a perfect movie, but dear God, what a breath of fresh air! What a fucking fantastic cinema experience! Mm. Uh, we're actually going to be talking about the MCU uh, in um, uh, uh, an upcoming episode, so I don't want to get necessarily too much into maybe the nitty gritty of yeah. the things that I would maybe talk about, but. I do think um, there'll be a lot to talk about in the episode, so yes. it's okay to talk about Thor in a bit more specific. It was, it was so good. As <clears throat> relevant to uh, the nature of our podcast as a queer, <laughs> oh, what a delightful time was had. It was full of amazingly attractive people doing wonderful things, and it's just like reasserting, why, yes, I am attracted to people of all genders. <laughs> Thank you, movie. Um. The whole aesthetic just felt very queer, though, from the posters with, like, the rainbow stripes. It's just, like... There was... Yeah. It, it Before it came out, I think a lot of people were scared that they just dumped Guardians of the Galaxy's tone on the Thor franchise. And it felt so different. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy's... All its humour comes from quite a sort of intentionally smarmy, smug, kind of dirty place. Yeah. Um... It's very James Gunn. Yes. 
and this Whereas Thor Ragnarok is, is very Taika Waititi. Yeah. Who I really love the films of and I, I I've read a couple of really good articles talking about this sort of how uh take I'm really awful. I need to write it down phonetically. You can say Taika. Taika. How um he brings a lot of his own um very sort of Kiwi sense of humour mm. and how the film has some really fascinating things to say about colonialism yeah. and things like that. Like that probably went over the heads of a lot of people, but he's just whole joie de verve as a person mm. and that f- it, I, I do feel like and I don't want to get into like auteur theory but filmmakers who have a strong enough voice that regardless of what kind of film they're telling you can hear their voice I think is a really good thing and he has that in spades yeah and it's so strange because I think recently Disney has been getting a bit of flack for its tendency to hire these auteurs yeah and then get confused that they're doing their own thing yeah so the whole thing with the Han Solo movie Mm. and what was it Edgar Wright and Ant-Man and things like that and then they hire probably one of the most bizarre like Mm. filmmakers to on a franchise which does not fit if you just take the first two Thor films maybe that's how they felt that they could because the Thor franchise has always felt that little bit like weird Australian cousin. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, everyone everyone loves Loki. Um, everyone, I really like Thor in the Avengers films. Yeah. But until they just... And I can be, I can understand if you've been really invested in the Thor films. Yeah. How this film starts and Thor is just, oh, he's just an Aussie now. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's his character arc. Um, it's not really spoilers, but like, is this how he just acts after being dumped. He just, mm. and also it's kind of, if you, if you outside of the film, I think it's people aren't that excited by Thor films. Let's make something that's really fun. Yeah. Um, but inside the films, if you think of Thor as someone who's now spent more time in humans company. Yeah. Then, and he's, mm-hmm. it's actually kind of an interesting character growth. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. Like, you could argue there's a real similarity between Thor's progression as a character and Peter Quill's and that they're both sort of entitled man-children at the mm. beginning of their stories, but because they're coming from very different places, their arcs are very different. Like, the sort of levels of responsibility and what they do and what they're about, but it, at the same time, it's just like, okay, it's their relationships with their father figures and, and things like that, and I feel like there's some interesting lines that can be drawn I've yeah, I've watched a lot of interviews of Taika and I'm I'm so fascinated by him as a, a voice in films. Mm-hmm. One of the I saw him interviewed and someone said, like, you've done a bunch of indie films and now you have this, like how different is it? And he says, Not really. When I wrote it, I treated it like an indie film. It's about a guy who needs to get home because there's a burger in his house <laughs> and like the only person he's got is his kind of adopted brother who he's always had a bit of a difficult relationship yeah. with and just the fact that he sees a film like that he, get, mm. he gets given Thor and, and does goes that like with it. yeah it's just about some dude and like his relationship and I, di- I did see a brilliant quote from him which was just like uh, Thor and like it's just a couple of rich boy rich white boys with their problems <laughs> yeah and it's just like how brilliant when I said it was like a breath of fresh air I do think that I, th- I, know, I know this is a sentiment you share that the reverence is great, but I feel that there are a couple of moments where you lose the emotional weight of some instances. Yeah. But I would still rather take the irreverent whole and as for that. Yeah, I mean... I can... There's those couple of moments of, oh, I could have had a little bit more there's pathos. A, there's a couple of 
characters who I wish had a couple less lines. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I did see another thing. It's apparently it's a very um, specifically like um, indigenous Kiwi thing about uh, poking fun at the hero. Yes, and that's a really big difference between Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor in that a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy is kind of macho pissing contest mm-hmm. between the male characters and trying to be the coolest. Whereas <laughs> nobody gets to be cool. Yeah. In, not for long. Everyone gets their great moments, but nobody gets to be significantly cool. Yeah. Can I talk about Bruce Banner in this movie? Because <laughs> yeah. wearing Tony's leftover trousers in the... He was wonderful in this film. Yeah, and like... Mark Ruffalo and Chris Hemsworth have got some really fun yeah, chemistry. It There's not like an aspect I dislike. Like, I love... Like, I think the sign of a good film and a good ensemble is when you cut to... The other part of the story or the B plot. You're not like, oh, uh, come on, get back to that. So even though what Kate Blanchett was up to in the film yeah. probably wasn't very interesting. But dear God, didn't she look amazing? She looks amazing in her performance. There's like one She's moment. clearly having the best time in that film. Yeah, I think she said, like, why did why did you do this film? She said, I wanted the film where I didn't have to like cry every scene. And yeah. I could just like Ham She is ham and cheese. That she's is... everything I wanted Rita Repulsa to be in the Power Rangers movie. Where yes. Elizabeth Banks gave a I think the tone was a bit confused in that film. Yeah. But she just has a big, giant hat and her <laughs> long nails and her lovely... And, and a like, big dog. Yeah, a big dog. If that is the giant wolf or Carl Urban, it's up to you yeah. to decide. Both good. Um, there's one moment when she's talking to him, sat on the throne, and I swear she's meant to be, like, riffing on stuff I've seen um, Theresa May do. Yeah. Like her kind of hand movements and the way she's talking about the big society that she's trying to build. Um, And I think it's really interesting because a character like Thor is quite tough to root for if he really is this, like, the whole kind of monarchy side of things. Yes, agreed. So I like that they tackle that a bit Mm -hmm. and show that almost you can't contribute to a country or a, a group of people without... <sighs> Basically, every time I've gone to Australia, and uh, I haven't been to New Zealand, but I'm sure it's quite similar, um, there's a, an odd vibe there, which maybe we don't get in the UK, where everyone's very aware that they're on stolen land, and of the very horrible history to get to where they are today. Yeah. And so in Australia, and and maybe it is similar in certain American things, maybe more increasingly, but it's very much clear in Australia. Quite often, if you go to anything like official, they begin by like thanking the, the people, the, the, the people who own the land and that they're allowed, they they constantly have this kind of, we have permission to be here because of your gratitude. You know? Yeah. Um, I just don't know. I think there was just a voice that was added to the Thor franchise, which is really needed. Yeah, and I think um, speaking to this as an observer and some very insightful articles I've read, um, the Valkyrie's story, who you never hear referred to by anything other than a Valkyrie, which I find is an interesting thing in in and Mm. of itself. Um, But how that's very much um, an indigenous story of somebody that has part of their culture taken from them Mm. and that retreat... Uh, into sort of being somewhere different and then reclaiming that heritage and um, uh, there's some really wonderful insightful articles that were uh, 
speak about it much better than I have. But when Valkyrie has her moment coming along the Bifrost and the indigenous flag colours mm. are in the fireworks behind her, and it's just like, yes! I mean, Taika also um, did punch up or helped on the script of Moana. Mm. Um, and there's this, just this overriding theme of feeling like you don't quite connect with your culture and it's somehow gone and mm. being stripped away in some way yeah. um and trying to reclaim that and connect to it and like i've talked i've talked in interviews i've seen of taika talking about this yeah that's part of his filmmaking when he wants to be a filmmaker he wasn't connected to the voice of his uh heritage he was wanting to be like yeah. Spielberg and Scorsese and stuff and only when like he started making films did he realise actually how he connected back to sure. what he wants to say and I don't know I think Thor Ragnarok is interesting because it can be completely enjoyed on a face level on a face level it's very fun but there's so much going on yeah and just going on in a way that you just don't see very often Okay, I think Phase 2, we don't talk about MCU, but I think Phase 2 obviously had a kind of a villain problem that a lot of people complained about, where a lot of the villains didn't weren't very memorable. Yeah. And I think they've done a lot better job in the mm. most recent films in that I do think Hela, mm. in this one, just has a slightly different perspective and motivation. Yeah. Um, I think that it's something very interesting, like, to have your villain being the one that just like you cannot have the society that sets all good and ignore the blood that's underneath it. Yeah, I think there's something really powerful in that. Yeah, and I think it actually helps that she's dressed in black and appears out of like an evil cloud and is like, oh, she's dangerous. Be scared of her. Like, there's no mystery about her being the villain, which gives the film enough time to talk about her perspective. I think. Mm. Um, anyway, I just, I, it's one of the films I saw recently that I was like, when can I see it again? I really yeah. want to see it again. It, uh, I think I talked about how one of the things that frustrates me about Guardians of the Galaxy is that I really love the cosmic MCU world, mm. but yeah, I, James Gunn's kind of perspective is just not something I'd gel love. with. Yeah. Yeah. That said, um, I've forgotten the name of it. I cannot believe we got all the way through talking about when didn't mention Jeff Goldblum once. <laughs> but his, but that planet, his planet, mm. um, one, I could just see the Guardians rocking up there, which I really mm. appreciate. So I just want to have this riff where, because I, I saw the fan art that made me laugh and I keep seeing things alluding to it that makes me really happy. And Tom Hiddleston said something along the lines of it, but it's just like when Thor arrives, minus, minus spoiler, and they say, oh, they, what, are you a food or... Uh, basically, like, what are you? Like, food or slave or whatever it is. And uh, Loki just being like, is there a third option? <laughs> it's just like, the implication that Loki fucked his way to the top makes me incredibly <laughs> happy and that Jeff Goldblum is basically his sugar daddy who bought him new clothes. Yeah, there was a moment I was actually... So, uh, Loki chain, like chain, mm. shapeshifts a bit. Yeah. And in the comics, he's quite gender fluid. Yes. Um, there's a bit in the film when... Uh, when Kate Blanchett first arrives in Asgard, I really wanted one of them to go like, oh, hey, Loki, mm. or something. But, no, well, it's fine. Yeah, I did see some good things, just like, every, like probably like everyone knew, everyone knew it was Loki, not Odin, just like people just like <laughs> humouring Loki. The biggest laugh that I got was 
I heard him going like, oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) Love Anthony Hopkins. That was just, that was, Um, uh, one of my favourite moments was like when the the oh shit moment Loki has when he realises who's there, just like, I have to get off this planet. Yes. It's, oh, and then the moment where Thor gets like bitch slapped back and forth and Loki's (laughs) like, yes, now you know. One One of my big problems with Age of Ultron is that it felt like, Joss Whedon had written a sequel to the Avengers and they kind of ignored all of the development like mm-hmm. Iron Man 3 ends in him saying I'm never going to be Iron Man again and Avengers then... Age of Ultron starts with him Boop. as Iron Man yeah. doesn't really get discussed and even though things like I don't love the whole uh, Hulk Black Widow thing I actually like the that, nods to that I like that yeah the other filmmakers are actually respecting the character development that's gone on yeah, and, and, and Loki's awareness about I probably shouldn't go back to Earth <laughs> yeah and like um I'm not a witch why do you drive that one? Like <laughs> uh, and I haven't seen Stephen Strange but the cameo of Benedict Cumberbatch in that movie was tolerable and Loki saying I've been for that whole business with him moving really fast I'm like cool I don't need to see Doctor Strange at all no I actually I liked that I I for some reason one of the things that bugs me about Spider-Man Homecoming was it's uh, constant needing to remind you it's set in the MCU and there was a reference to someone else every five seconds it was fine but I was just like okay I get it it's fine yeah. For some reason it didn't bother me in Thor that just like Doctor Strange is in it. Because... But he's based in New York and it makes sense that he would be keeping an eye on. Yeah. Um, um, one one thing that we have to say because it's important, just like, I'm really frustrated that they had the G-slur in the movie because it yes. added nothing. It just felt like so, boop, and just like, why is that there? You didn't need to work. Yeah, I don't see anyone discuss it because it's just one of those things where I... I, I don't think people think of it as a slur. No. And I think people just need to stop using that word and it's tough because that's some people that's some people's name mm-hmm. and that's the name of some like tv shows and, and movies engines. and places and stuff yeah it's it's just a word i wish we could just phase out phase out yeah, yeah. and it's kind of disappointing coming from a film which we talked so much about respecting yeah, but and, while we're here we do need to point out we did not need that it added nothing no. it's just a blip um but yeah it was a good film Let's talk about... You want to talk about... I've not seen it. Oh, I don't... I kind of just want to give a brief mention to the fact that I saw Justice League on Friday. Um, And? It's interesting, because I... If I'm very honest, I was pretty bored throughout it and left it. My my one tweet when I finished watching it was just... I saw that. Because the thing is, you you have a love for the Car Crash DC movies. I do. I felt... Quite sad that I was seeing it without Lydia because uh-huh. our favourite film is Batman vs Superman. Yes. We can talk about it forever. Um, no, I think, but it, actually, from talking to other people, I've come to appreciate some things. Unfortunately, most of its plus points are just it's not Batman vs Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a certain like people are acting more in character to how I would like them to. The okay. heroes are heroic. Okay. Despite the villain being so dull. Um, it's Kieran Haynes, isn't it? I heard that he's, he's one more on the list of Shakespearean actors who've turned up for a paycheck. Yeah, but like you just, there's no presence from him. He's just kind uh, of a, he feels a that's lot. That's disappointing. He feels a lot like, um, like the CGI orc in the Hobbit films. Yep. Where it's just like, you're a big CGI guy. Everything you say is just a, like, I need this. 
Oh. I will kill this. That that um, sounds compelling. Like with Ultron, for example. Ultron had personality. His motivations and his plan are completely ridiculous and they make no sense. At the same time, I'm captivated in every scene he's in. Yeah. Um Yeah, I I don't know. I it it's it's not great, Justice League. Yes, I, I don't think anyone. Holes are plain. I heard it's a mess. Yeah, and I not don't... even a good mess. I don't think people need to see it at all. Okay. In general, I think the film didn't really. It didn't have like, you know, in the Avengers when they all stand in a circle and like the music swells mm. and like, the, the Avengers has this real feel that like we're bringing these characters together for the first time ever on screen, and this film doesn't seem to really care. Yeah. Um, that's that's disappointing. That said, it's kind of. It's kind of amusing. How are the characters in it? Like, because you said they act like. How's Ezra Miller as the Flash, and how is Jason Momoa as Aquaman? Um, and uh, I've forgotten the the young actor who's playing Cyborg. It's his first film. I think yeah. his name is Ray Fisher. He's mm-hmm. like a stage actor. Um, con- unpopular opinion. I don't think Jason Momoa is a fantastic actor. I don't care. I think he's just beautiful. <laughs> um, I think. Game of Thrones actors, I think, are often oddly cast in other things because I think the skills it takes to be very serious and miserable and talk about serious things, serious things, is a different level of skill you need for like a fun action film. Yeah, um, I think mostly about Amelia Clark as Sarah Connor and yeah. Terminator Geniusius. <laughs> who was just so not what I think of a Sarah Connor. Yeah. Um, Jason Momoa was fine. He was just kind of, he was a little bit like, there's there's this one line where he just kind of goes, hey, I'm I'm young. I've got shit to do. I don't want to die. (laughs) Like, and I thought that's a really interesting thing to hear. Like a superhero say, Mm. I've got shit to do. (laughs) Um, yeah, generally the characters are just a bit more in closer to what I would imagine. It's not a spoiler to say Superman's in it, is it? No. He's like on posters and stuff. Everyone knew he okay. was going to show up with his dodgily CGI'd off moustache. <laughs> okay, so yes, it's noticeable, which is really interesting. Shocking. It's very interesting from a filmmaking perspective because you can see exactly what was added. So basically, Joss Whedon took over the film. Although his name's not really very prominent in anything. Mm-hmm. He finished the film. Um, after very tragic circumstances with Zack Snyder. But you can really tell his film and see another film on top. And I think that's why it's messy, because I think it was quite yeah. speedily done. Um, and all I feel like the most noticeable thing that Joss Whedon's done is turned a miserable film about Superman being dead and everyone being miserable Mm. into when Superman is in the film, he is so in character as Superman. He's talking about truth and justice in the American way. He's like winking at the camera and like... Are we saying that Joss Whedon gets Superman? Yeah. In a way, like he's got, he's like, his costume is fully brightly coloured and he's got hands on hips and like maybe spoiler but like the music of the film they play the John Williams Superman oh, theme wow. like 
intrin like in the yeah. music. It it's they they seem to get him. Yeah. And there's one line of Batman talking about Superman, which <laughs> in both Zack Snyder's Superman films he's struggled to understand. Where I think Zack Snyder's one of the kinds of people who's like, why does he wear that costume? Why does he save people? I don't understand. And Batman has this one line where someone's questioning him about like why he cares about Superman, and he says, like, he's the best person ever because he had all this power, but he worked at a newspaper and he had a girlfriend and he yeah. went to stay with his mum. Like, he could have done anything he wanted. Batman vs. Superman had, like, got a lot of stick because Batman has this weird dream where Superman's this evil dictator of the future. Yeah. And I think instead of going in the direction of that happening, the film actually goes, oh no, Batman was just paranoid and wrong. Yeah. And I think that was just necessary, <sighs> but whatever. I felt a bit silly seeing it. <laughs> uh, well. It was like a collective embarrassment avoiding each other's gaze from the cinema goers when we were yeah. going in and out. Let's move from the big screen to the small screen. Yes. There's been some good television. Let's talk about Star Trek Discovery first, because we were going to talk about that the last time we did a catch-up, and you totally forgot to mention it until yeah. after we recorded. If you remember the last catch-up, there was a moment of like, you got anything else to talk about? And I went, um, no. Didn't talk very much. But... I forgot because I wanted to talk about Star Trek Discovery, which had just started, and now we're further in. So now we're past the mid-season finale. How is it? I've I'm peripherally aware through Tumblr. I haven't actually sat and watched it. Um, it's very divisive. Um, I consider myself a casual to. I'm I'm probably by some people's consideration quite deep Star Trek fan. Yeah. But to other people, it was very casual. I've seen, like, all of Next Generation once. Yeah. <laughs> um, bits of the others. Sure. All the films. Um, you got me, bit. I Yeah, I'm aware of it. Yeah. And more than aware of it. <laughs> I think there's no... Usually when something's divisive... Yes. I can I can tell where half of the people are coming from. Yeah, it's from. kind of easy to see why yeah. it's divisive or what people are divided yeah. over. Like, so before the show came out, the fact that it had a quite diverse cast was the reason it was divisive. And the fact that it was a prequel rather than a sequel and all these kind of things. Sure. I could tell that it was kind of like the old guard fans. But since the show's come out, the division has seemed to be so hard to pinpoint like people who i thought would love it hate it and it's kind of it's not even down like people who are super fans and whatever sure generally what i think the problem is is sorry i'm doing some stretches because i've got some severe back pain at the moment i'm I throwing hamish off I'm tr- no I'm, I'm trying to like keep keep the ship afloat um you're doing fine i think ba- so basically I think one of the big things about it is, unlike previous Star Trek series, which had a kind of comfy, like the the, the <laughs> in Next Generation, the whole spaceship is carpeted and beige. Yes, and I've been watching some episodes on TV, and they just like, oh, let's do a Robin Hood episode, or there's an episode of yeah. them trapped down a hole. Sure, or the whole episodes are about. Um, oh, someone whose point of view is different is aboard the ship. Let's all discuss it. And everyone talks about their points of view. And yeah. then Picard comes to a realisation that, well, let people be who they are as long as they're not hurting each other. And yeah. it's very comfy. 
and lovely. I do think, though, sometimes Star Trek fans think the message of the show is a lot more real and tangible than it is. Especially in the original series, people talk about this perfect ideal future, but as we've talked about without any gays, without with like horrible sexism mm. and like most of the shows are about finding an alien culture that behaves differently to us and us trying to fix it and make it more yeah how we perceive sure. things should work um star trek discovery is a full-on war show yeah <laughs> it's set during a war yeah people act quite extreme yes um, there's a lot of death yep. and like scariness, but like some people think that's an instant turning off point. But to me, I think the kind of message of hope and peace feels kind of stronger in a show about war. Yeah. Because I can see that when there's no war in the future and they're always just trying to avoid war, it's, it doesn't come across as much. I think trying to preserve a status quo of, oh, it's peace mm. and hope. Yeah. Whereas that isn't as engaging to me as a concept as I haven't watched it, as opposed to striving for peace, that hope that you will yeah. achieve peace. And the, they had peace before the show started and they have peace after. And also the whole kind of Klingon war thing is something that a lot of shows have talked about in the past. So yeah. It's kind of... So this is established. It's not like they're... Yeah. Um, I think I think the reason I like it is basically the main character Michael Burnham, mm-hmm. who is the first time Star Trek's really had a main character. Like the captains are usually considered the main, but it's very much an ensemble cast. Whereas yeah. this is telling the story of this woman mm-hmm. from childhood to um, present day, right? And the reason why I love her is there's so many shows built around. Uh, male characters who do awful things and who you shouldn't be rooting for, but you kind of are. Yeah. Um, and there's very few shows about female characters of the same because, and having trying to be making a show with a female character at the moment, it's so frustrating because women aren't allowed to do those things. Yeah, there's like, oh, but people won't like her now, or she can't do this because she's not likeable or she's too annoying or blah, blah, blah. She's too abrasive or yeah. whatever. And I, I think would... that's especially interesting uh, with a woman of colour as well. Yeah. So I assumed she'd be a kind of wide-eyed, wow, space is amazing audience point of view character. Nope. Yeah. The show starts and she is so not relatable. Mm. So she's a human who was adopted by Spock's father... Mm-hmm. To, and raises a Vulcan. Um, and so she has a kind of upbringing like that. And especially in the first two episodes, she has a very strong sense of logic and does really bizarre things because they're logical, even though yeah. they're clearly wrong from a character point of view. And it's very interesting coming that way because I think Star Trek's usually been about the human characters trying to argue with the logical people and try and change them, where sure. she's trying to fix everyone around her. Yeah. Um, and just it's really interesting watching a character who I don't always agree with, but I always root for. That's good. That's and really good yeah, that they can do that. Um, and now, and instead of most Star Trek series, basically, if anyone has a problem with series one of Star Trek Discovery, watch season one of 
any of these shows. It's definitely had the best yeah. pilot of any Star Trek. Yeah, shows. I heard that it, it was a couple a strong pilot. I had a bit lit from what I read, a um, bit of a dip, and then it picked itself back up. Yeah, it does a kind of annoying fake pilot in that the pilot set like a few years before the rest of the series. Yeah, it's more of a backstory thing. Right. So I know that rubbed some people the wrong way, but I, but most Star Trek series have dumped you in an ensemble, whereas this they've yeah. feeded people in. Yeah, but um, all the characters that I've seen uh, via uh, Tumblr and uh, Facebook mm. and a bit of Twitter, I really want to get to know. Like, um, I love Jason Isaacs, mm. generally speaking. Um, Michelle Yeoh is the captain. She seems great. The There is the wide-eyed ingenue, the red-headed, who's like Michael's roommate. Tilly. You're making a face, so she's probably... No, 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 no. Oh, okay, it's not that she's kind of She's introduced face. in an episode... And I was like, oh gosh, here we go. She's going to die. She's the red shirt. Oh, and she's not. She, she's, they fake out. Yeah, because in the episode, she's like so funny and interesting and dorky. Yeah. But then like, oh, she's still here and she's still like Michael's best friend. And yeah. She's oh, really lovely. funny. Um, and then we've got uh, Anthony Rapp and oh, the other actor. I, I don't know the character names either. Our gays. Our, our first ga- we proper need to talk, Star Trek gays. We need to talk about our gays or the gays. Yeah. Super interesting in how both characters are introduced separately mm-hmm. and... Uh, in and I knew from. Are they on different ships then? No, but you see them interacting for a few episodes, and without knowing, I thought that they hadn't become a couple yet. And then an episode just ends with them sharing a bathroom. Yeah, they're sharing. Like a, they're brushing a room. their teeth, and it's just like, oh no, they're just incredibly professional. The rest of the time, what on do the you ship. know? We can be professional. Um, I mean, as the show goes on, they. Stop being as good at that. <laughs> but, um, I'm, I really appreciate the fact that they have queer characters played by queer actors because... And the most frustrating criticism I've seen is, yes, there's gays, but unfortunately they're camp or something. And I'm like... What the They're fuck? not. They're just not played by straight people. Also, as we have discussed, camp is not a bad thing. No. And they're, they're like, not. And I'm sorry. Also, I think that was a rent joke because... <laughs> Isn't there a song called La Boheme? Or? Yes, La Vie um, Boheme. Because Anthony Rapp says, oh, I've got tickets for us to see La Vie Boheme or something. Yeah, because that's the opera that Rent is based on. Yes, is they made a joke because they're both from Rent. That's fucking brilliant. Um, that's amazing. There's a few little... I don't know, it... Because it, isn't Brian Fuller the show supervisor? He was. I think he's, his role was really, really, really... Reduced. Reduced. By choice, I think he went on to American Gods. Sure. Um, there's there's some issues. It has some same issues I have with Game of Thrones. and Yeah. They've gone quite... They've shown some things they didn't need to show. Yeah. But there is a episode where they discuss something I've not seen really discussed. Oh, interesting. Um, What's that? What do you not want to say? Um, Spoilers? No, it's more of a content warning, but we can put that at the first. They have a plot about a male character who was repeatedly sexually abused by a Klingon. Right. And they do show too much than they should. Right. But the actual conversation they have about it is... I've never seen that on TV before. Oh, that's Even with, like, a female character, the way that it's still affecting him and... Yeah. The way he talks about it is so well handled. And I think So the fact that they then dropped the ball so hard on the on the showing far more than they needed to. It was weird. Like it for a show that seemed to really understand it, didn't they, seem to, to then like, do that. Yeah. Um 
That's a shame. It's unfortunate, but like, if I, from my point of view, not that it matters perhaps to everyone, but if I would take the good scene, if I have, you know. You think that it's worth having that, it balance. Not so. I think I know what you're trying to Basically, say. Basically, if I could have either that storyline removed or how it is, yeah, we'd rather keep the storyline. I'd rather line. keep the storyline. Um, and I feel you. What I just I really love that that character was the character's like the security officer of oh, right. the Enterprise, and he's he defined by the fact that he's very good at fighting Klingons. Yeah, and the fact that that didn't matter. Yeah, and that all the other characters understand what happened to him very without any kind of judgment is just, yeah. I don't know. It was really, I've never seen that done before. And it, yeah. it's, if Star Trek, if there's any like core that Star Trek has to keep, it's telling very current stories about sure our understanding of each other Yeah, well, in a sci-fi setting. You it's have, still doing it. I Well, then you have convinced me that I need to sit down and watch it. I'll talk to, uh, I'll talk to my partner and we'll see about settling in and watching it. Because that'd be nice. Don't. Yeah, I don't. It's on Netflix. I've got Netflix. I'll watch the thing. I don't, yes, I don't defend every choice that's made. No, but. but overall. Sure. I'm glad it exists. And I'm happy it's got a second series. Yeah. Um, and it seems to be, I think it seems to be getting a bit more appreciated over time by. That's good. The Star Trek. That's good. Fans. Let's take a trip back in time to the 80s. Let's talk about Stranger Things too. I really liked it, despite a couple of heavy caveats I have with it. I had an excellent time. Yeah. Um, in short, I really liked it. The problems I have of it are problems I have with season one. Okay. Um, See, uh, I feel like they, I feel like they sort of cut back on some of the stuff I found maybe a little grating about season one, with regard. But I think. My problems are very different. No, I don't know. I thought we talked about it, but fair, fair. I literally just don't. I'm. I don't like the CGI. That's all. Such, such a bitch. <laughs> Sorry. I just think if a show is like going really strong for an eighties vibe, they, yes, it annoyed me a bit more in season one because they talk about how good. There's a scene where they talk about how good the special effects are in the thing. Yeah. And then they have, have a CGI. monster that could have been a person in a costume. Yes. Um, but no, I do think it treated. It definitely treats its female characters a bit better. What did we talk about with season one? It was that long ago. It was like almost a year ago, I think, we talked about mm. Stranger Things. Uh, I think we just talked about like the maybe almost slavishness with the nostalgia and stuff like that. Oh, right, yeah. And I feel like maybe because they, they didn't feel like there were as many explicit references and things like that. Um, but I enjoyed it very much. My issues remain with the Duffer Brothers' real fucking slavishness to heteronormativity. Yeah. There's a couple of moments that I've seen get called out, which I definitely understand where people are going for, and I agree, while I also question a couple of small aspects of it. But it feels very just like... It's very dominated, apart from Eleven, it's Jane. Um, I do feel, It still feels very about boys. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact you've got these, you got the introduction of Max, who's a great character. Joyce is still prominent there, but like Nancy feels very Nancy and Jonathan feel very sidelined in this season, Maybe. and um, just like 
it feels very fucking straight. Mm. And like, yeah, okay, it, it's kind of cute, but I really don't need to see all these 13-year-olds like seeming like they're in a desperate need to be in a heterosexual relationship. Yeah, I think maybe I... I think basically there's just a scene in season one I really hate and I didn't get that same feeling again, which mm. is when Jonathan like shouts at Nancy in the woods about yeah. being... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and like, I don't like that scene because Nancy kind of just shrugs as if, yeah, mm. you're right. Felt a little bit like the Duffer brothers yeah. shouting at all of their girlfriends from the 80s. Sure. And like, yeah, finally we mm. can tell that to them. Anyway. But everyone, I loved everybody's character this season. Yes. Everyone... The Steve Harrington story. <laughs> yes. Best babysitter. Steve, mum, friend, Harrington. But everybody's character arcs. I loved where the every character was. I love that they did more with Lucas this mm. season. I love where Dustin went. I love the introduction of Max. I thought Jane's story was really interesting. Hopper was great. Bob! Bob! I mean, essentially, Will is a new character as well. Yeah, I getting to see... like. Give that ch- give Noah sh- is it snap is it snap is it pronounced snaps Don't know. give that child an Emmy because he is so good yeah he had he had to do he had to be the Joyce this season like yeah. every scene is him crying or upset yeah um I there's a line in season one yeah and I guess it's it's guess it's where Joyce says that the kids bully him because they think he's gay. Yeah. And maybe it's one of those things where I think we talk about it with Moffat a lot, where it's yeah. like, I'd love that story to be done, but I don't really want the show um, to write it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I did see a thing, which I think was from an interview with the Duffers, where they said when they originally conceived the character of Will, they definitely had the idea that he was gay. Mm. And I'm like, okay, that's cool, but I also kind of don't want my one bit of gay representation to be the child that's tormented and then possessed by e- and uses the tool of evil yeah but at the same time i really did see a great thing which is at the end the snowball scene and the girl comes up to will and asks if he wants to dance just like somebody had subtitled it with gay panic yeah. is the look on his face so that's just like oh bless this sweet boy yeah it's just one of those things i i the 80s setting is great and i also think it's a way that they can Get away with get away with stuff. Yeah. I also want to briefly mention the character of Billy because, and this is where I get very annoyed at fandom because I'm just like, no, can we not romanticize this person? No, mm. can we put him in a trash can, set the trash can on fire? Like that actor is fantastic. We talked about him. he was in Power Rangers and he was great. If you want to have a crush on him. There's that film there for you. Like he There's a bit in Power Rangers where he arrives at someone's front door and it's uh the Blue Ranger's mum and she mm. goes, Oh my god, it's Jason Scott. And as soon as I saw him in episode one, I went, Oh my god, it's Jason Scott. <laughs> um But yeah, and like I could have done without the great while I appreciate we got the moment where Billy's interacting with his dad, and his dad is clearly the reason. Mm. why Billy is the way that he is. That does, let, let, let's reinstate, cool motive, still murder. Thank you, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Regardless of what abuse Billy is on the receiving end of, that doesn't mm. excuse one fucking iota of his behaviour towards Max or the fact that he is a racist asshole, or the fact that he beats the snot out of Steve. Like, 
he is a horrible person and the fact that he's the victim of abuse does not excuse his behavior no but i guess that it might make him you can empathize with the character Mm. but like is that more of a fandom issue then yes yeah i've not Uh, there is already quite a lot of billy slash steve fic on ao3 and it makes me angry and upset yeah what did you think of the continued um D and D parallels. That, that was very bring, good. <laughs> I, found, I know I can't believe that's not how mind flayers work, <laughs> which just made me laugh. And the demodogs. I I appreciated the D and D reference. I appreciate Dustin continuing to be Dustin. Mm. Dustin is my. If I was to have, if I was to reproduce, I feel like I would end up with a child like Dustin, <laughs> and it makes me. <laughs> the fact that yeah, and the fact that he's like in class, and he refers to his science teacher as yes, my lord. That just made me so very happy. I. I think basically between season one and two, I was like analyzing Stranger Things and whether I liked it really or not. Yeah. And then like a minute into season two, I was like, oh my oh, God, this is so good. Yes. Um, I understand the criticism and I have it as well, maybe. Yeah. But plot wise, maybe they didn't go very far in the season. Agreed. But character wise. Yes. Which for me, you know me, I'm all about character. I'd and quite happily still, watch it. That still matters. Yes. I think maybe, I think I made a tweet where I, maybe I would have liked them to make Stranger Things more like monster of the season. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like the upside down, but, and I think they're so deep in now that they couldn't really do another thing. Yeah. But I would I have also... Apparently there's going to be a third season. Like, the evil's still there. Yeah. I just, I think... It would have been nice to have seen... I want to see it's, like, missing season one Monster of the Week season where, like, it's werewolves and ghosts and aliens and stuff. I'll give a shout-out to the Eleven-Hopper relationship because I... There's a lot for me to cry about in a good way. It's a narrative we have seen before. Mm. I don't care. I saw a picture, a gift set, which was Eleven-Hopper in a car... Wolverine and X twenty three in a car yeah. and, um, and oh something in Ellie I think Josh no oh the characters from The Last um, of Us The Last of Us where it's just like gruff sleepy depressed dad and weird violent daughter mm-hmm. um, I am um, yeah I I have a lot of feels in the bit with the bracelet. It's like, <laughs> really um, I also saw a really valid thing that I want to bring up I not in, I don't want to unpack it now but um. Where Eleven meets, oh, Eight, whose name is not Eight. Mm. Um, But we get to have that moment, and I thought that was really great. But also there's some very valid criticism about how um, demonising the rage of a woman of colour, whereas a white woman is allowed to be angry. Mm. Which is annoying because I really like that group of characters, and I would quite happily watch their spin-off season. Quite yeah, happily. I mean, the first scene in the season is them, them escaping something. And I was like, oh, this is a world now. Like, yeah. we're building to something. And then it kind of culminates in a one episode mm. sort of side story. But yeah, they are aggressively 80s, that group. Yeah. And I love, but I love this notion of this group of outcasts, especially when you think about it. This is 1984. Mm-hmm. Like, I got such queer vibes from that group. And I'm just like, yeah. I want to spend more time <laughs> with... The, uh. But it's not their story. It's about no. how their story intersects with Eleven slash Jane's. And I, I find it very hard to not call her Eleven, but her name is Jane. And that's important. 
Can I give a brief shout out to David Harbour? I love David Harbour. Yes, because he, that man, his Twitter, his Twitter is a gift. I have a real soft spot, and it's not in like a. I have a real soft spot for male celebrities who kind of find out they have a very specific gay berry following yeah and aren't creeped out by it he like yeah. so like it's something i kind of appreciate about nick frost before because mm. he like makes tweet makes mm. selfies and tweets like this is for the guys or whatever yeah but like david harbour posted like fan art of him saying like it really captures my beauty for all those like straight girls yeah. and guys into bears yeah and, like he talks a lot like that was that whole sexiest man alive thing. Yeah, and somebody said yes. <laughs> and like someone tweeted like, "How did he get sexiest man alive when the like pudgy the, yeah. like beardy dude on Stranger Things is way hotter?" And, and he's like, just like, Dude. "Thank you, I'm going to change my name to Pudgies." <laughs> yeah, but he said a couple of things, just like, "Hey, now they weren't to know that the dad board this took years of cake." And <laughs> he's just very self-deprecating in a very charming way. He also ships the hell out of Joyce Hopper, and that makes mm. me very happy. Um. He's, he's a just a very he's a very charming presence. Yeah, he's also very uplifting of his co-stars. And was it the Emmys last year where he did mm. that really amazing speech? Oh yeah, it was a little uh <laughs> a little it was really cool, but it was also kind of well, right. Yeah, but I like how passionate yes. he is. He's, there's a real genuineness to, to David Harbour. He's also just one of those actors who's been acting for a so very long, long time yeah. and now is in something that people really, really love. So he's very grateful yeah. I think he's a love um, it, it's one of those things where I'm like oh why does it need to be a new Hellboy oh okay well I'll, oh I'll yeah see how he is. I didn't know that he was I, until I, I think I saw like a, a couple of days ago because I knew that this Hellboy TV series was happening because obviously there was that business where that white actor was cast I think it's a movie is it a movie hmm I don't know. Either way. And then I'm just like, oh, okay. And then just like saw pictures of David Harbour working out. Thank you, internet, for providing me with those pictures. And I was just mm. like, he's going to be helping. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what now? But like that actor quit. Yes, that that um, actor was... And isn't Daniel Day Kim playing the character? Yeah. Um, yes. It's one of those things where I think we like the Hellboy films, but we can appreciate that maybe for comic fans, they're not quite yeah. the faithful adaptation sure. people want. It's why, it's why, yeah. Anyway... This is going to be a long episode. There's so much to talk about, but yeah. I want to keep talking. Yeah, guys, getting a bumper catch-up. Uh, let us quickly divert to Doctor Who, Yeah, um, that's an which new series hasn't started yet, but we have had the reveal of the costume. It's so gloriously gay. Like, yes. every lesbian I know, and like, woman-loving woman, is just like, yes! Yeah, she... She looks amazing. She looks great. She looks so good. It's, it's exactly the level of kind of sexiness I was hoping, because the Doctor's outfits, he's often looked kind of cool. Yeah. And I think it should he should always look that kind of dorky cool. Yes, like, and that wanna... definitely qualifies with the chunky boots and the big socks. Yeah, without it being male gazy and yes. awful. Or... It's it's the right amount of... It's practical. It's got a feminine edge to it. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it's, it, was... it looks like an outfit a woman would choose to wear. Yes. I love the idea of the Doctor thinking, oh... I, I can use this wardrobe now. Yeah. And going like, what do girls wear? And in a way, it looks like a kind of thrown together memory of like Clara and Bill's Bill. kind of... Aesthetic. This'll do. Yeah. It feels like the Doctor would choose it, which yes. is good. Yes, yes. Like I didn't, I was... None of that, none of that outfit made me go, mm, that? I was scared of either giant ball gown, which like, <laughs> sounds stupid, but like, it makes sense for the Master to... Because the Master's the most flamboyant... <laughs> yes. Or just wearing a kind of man's suit, which would be fine. fine. But 
would feel like a lazy or like... I'm all for... And I, I hesitate to use the term androgynously dressing because yeah. people use androgynous to mean women who dress in vaguely in masculine clothing and that is not what androgynous means. But, yeah, like you said, this feels like an out, a woman's outfit. I think, yeah, Time Lords have always tried to blend in badly. Yeah, and, and that kind vibe of, is yeah. there. I want that coat so bad. It's great. And, like, there's so many details I hadn't quite noticed, so... Mm-hmm. She's got like these weird earring piercings. Oh, and I didn't stuff. notice that. She's got like a piercing up there. I'm and... gonna touch my own and feel proud. <laughs> um, and just lots of it. It's just I'm very excited. There's a lot of personality there. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking forward to the variations because I'm sure like the shirt will change. Oh, of course, and the, of course, um, the socks. Yeah. Uh, let's cool. talk about the thing I am less jazzed about. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which is the companions were revealed. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about Bradley Walsh. I really don't. I like that there's going to be a team. I like that it's a small group. I like, um, is it two, it feels like it's two students and a teacher. Is that correct? We don't know what they're playing. Um, but age-wise, that's the impression. Yes. Like, it's too old, like... There's late- Bradley Walsh, who, while an actor, mm. is more famous now for being a game show host. yes. And this is not that I think Bradley Walsh would be a bad actor, bad in the no. role. This is more, I dislike the direction they made with the choice. Yeah. Personally. Well, I'm not, these two kids. They're cool. I mean, it's nice I mean, that the majority of the companions are people of colour. Yeah. Um, we got, yeah, we've got a woman and a, well, assume, assuming gender here, but yeah. uh, a, a lady and a couple of guys. I think that's kind of the thing that's, I can understand the problem. I think there's a lot of... Casting a female doctor, there are... There shouldn't be problems, but there's because it's not been done... Yeah. There's things that needs discussion. I think either having just a female companion or just a male companion, people would probably complain either side of it. Definitely. So I think TARDIS team's the way to go. I think it's just the why is Bradley Walsh there? I think the thing to... Like, yeah, that, why is Bradley Walsh there? yeah. Um, maybe he'll, maybe he'll die really quick. <laughs> I mean, they were introduced as the Doctor's friends. That's an interesting choice of words. Yes. Because I remember when Danny Pink was first unveiled, they said, he's one of the Doctor's new uh, friends. And everyone's like, you can just say companion. And then he turned out to not be a companion. He was just in the majority of the episode. That's a cool way to think about it. Um, I mean, because we don't know how long these relationships will last. This what We don't know. Mm. We do not know. I love a TARDIS team. I'm very interested in the idea of a team joining at the same time. Yes. Because just that scene hasn't been played before. Mm -hmm. Because normally, well, I suppose it did at the beginning. Yes. But But not since. Not in New Who. Normally it's like one comes and then another joins. The the second, even though there's a team, there's always a main companion and and one that's... A tag along that then becomes more. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see how it develops. Yeah, I mean... I'm excited for the Christmas special. They just released a trailer this oh, week. Oh, yes, yes. It's, it, it feels incredibly fan-pleasy in the way that I, I'm... Of course Moffat was always going to do in his final episode. Yeah. And I think the next season, while from what we've heard, there's some things probably wouldn't do, I'm glad that there's a lot of newness. Yes. And... They seem to be really riding the wave of renewed interest. Yeah, which is great. Um, which is great. 
I, 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 we've been talking for ages and we should take a break. I want to just give vague, brief shout outs to what I've been watching. Yep. Do it. Uh, because I've been coloring my new comic and I yeah. don't have to do any thinking, I have plowed through so many shows I hadn't finished on Netflix. Well, that's good. I've watched Glow. I need um, to watch that. Which is fun. It has a, It's written by the people who did Orange is the New Black. So it has... The same kind of... It has a, s- a similar thing where it's like, I know the writer's room is very white. You don't need to be making so many jokes about how racism mm-hmm. is stupid. Yeah. So they do a lot of racist jokes, but the joke is... Aren't racist stupid? Yeah, and I'm like, hmm. But it's still fun. Um, I watched Mindhunter. I watched Mindhunter, right? Oh, do you... What did you think? Uh, as somebody... Uh, I was going to going, huh, this, I know this terminology, I know from criminal minds, <laughs> but I've always liked psychology. Like it's an interest of mine. I'm not a massive fan of David Fincher. I think his work is really interesting. Mm. Um, there's definitely a lot to like about it. It is also really fucking white. Yeah. There's some st- stuff about it. I like very much. Um, I'll, I'll definitely watch the next season when it comes out. I forget the actress is, oh, Anatov. Mm. I love her. She's gay. There we yeah. go. Fucking canon gaze. Those canon gaze. Um, it was one of those weird shows where it's like, like when we're talking about Thor, where it yeah. keeps cutting to things and I don't mind. Yeah. I liked Mindhunter, but if the whole 10 episodes had just been then interviewing Ed Kemper, mm. I could have watched that. Cause yeah, like, that actor is fantastic. He's so, got so much I don't charisma. know any of the actors playing the serial killers and that really added to it. Mm-hmm. If they'd got big names. Yeah, no, it would have been utterly distracting. But the fact that it really felt like they'd discovered them. Yes. They were huge. Mm. And like, mm-hmm. oof. And I'll give shout outs to Jonathan Groff, who's act, because I've not watched a lot of his stuff outside mm. of Glue back in the day. <laughs> yeah. I forget how good an actor Jonathan Groff is. Yeah, he's great. He's fantastic in it. Like the finale of the scene where he has that panic attack. Like mm. he is so good. And I love Bill. Bill's mm. great. I mean, it's one of those things where I think the time period it's set in kind of adds to it because Mm -hmm. there's a whole storyline in it about them raising concerns of something a teacher's doing which Mm. in nowadays would be instant firing everyone would understand whereas in this setting yeah it's really hard to convince people that it's wrong yeah and i thought that was interesting and even like the main again the main character has a lot of opinions i don't quite agree with yeah um Anyway, it's interesting. Yep. Um, what else have you been watching? I watched a YouTube show called Dragula. <laughs> okay. Which is basically... It's basically drag race, but exclusively for a very niche scene of, like, prosthetic-y monster, like, queer performers. That sounds amazing! So their first week's challenge was to do a runway show inspired by Hellraiser, and they all Fuck had to be yes. Cenobites. Fuck and, like, yes! This is on YouTube. Yeah. I am watching this. Um, so it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's, yeah, it's just cool. is what it is. And I've been watching that in the background and mostly just like, and also in Drag Race, in the most recent seasons, because they've become so aware of social media and like how they're perceived, everyone, people call it best friends race now. Yeah. Um, these queens, their, mm. their world is so small. Yeah. They all know each other and they all hate each other already. And they're like, <laughs> like you cancelled me from your night on your weekly show. And you're like, yeah, well, you spat blood on my curtains. And I didn't like it. And like, <laughs> um, they hate each other straight away. It's fantastic. It's just right? a fun little distraction. I think sure. it's, um, it's just, on youtube yep 
Uh, I've also started watching The Good Place, yes. which I'm really enjoying. It's, um, it's like you can tell it's from the creator of like Parks and Rec mm. and like Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's got that vibe, but it's got a much higher concept. Yes, and it, the car, the central cast is. I've only watched like three or four episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just having a really. I I know where stuff is going. I've been spoiled for aspects of it. Yeah, but like. Who died and left Plato in charge of ethics? Uh, who left Aristotle in charge of <laughs> Plato? It's just yeah. like there's some really fun stuff in there. Yeah. Just like I've really enjoyed it. It's one of those shows I've watched mostly through gifts and yes. I'm waiting to sit down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any more for any more or should we stop and put the kettle on? I think this is our longest part one ever. Okay, let's, uh, let's get a beverage. <laughs> It's the middle section of the show. The middle section of the show. Can I say, Hamish, how happy I was on your episode with Justin, how you did a beautiful ode to my middle section of the show opening. It what made did me, I do? You just did it the way I do it, and it made me really irrationally happy. That episode was weird. I, I apologise for Justin being so quiet. Um, I'm still trying to work out the perfect setup. I've got mm. a new mic, so I sound a bit better, but I also need to work out where everyone sits. Um <laughs> But yeah, it was really fun. I felt really dirty saying and don't let anyone box you in. I felt like Good. I was you should stealing. Feel, you so should. I wasn't I was unsure if I should say it. No, it would be wrong to not have it said. Um, I'm glad you felt wrong saying it though. But I I want to thank <laughs> some people um we had some good feedback for that episode and want to thank all the listeners as always for mm-hmm. continuing to listen to the show and support it. Um the Facebook group continues to grow. We had like people from further afield like asking to join. Mm. Which has been great. Oh, is it Reed Black who's been marathoning and who's been doing yes. some twit yes. Yes, shout out, much agreement, much love. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah, Reed's a great artist. He did a podcast called Drawn This Way. Oh um, I think I've heard of that. Which I think I was on um I think a couple of times. Um, he did with Drew Green a long time ago, yeah. but it was one of the first like queer podcasts I listened to. And but yes, uh, shout out for agreeing with me that the Muppets Christmas Carol is the best and most iconic <laughs> of Christmas movies. It's it one of those things which is just like the fact that everyone's taking it seriously. The fact that Michael Caine is I'm gonna yeah act the shit out of this movie. He's not doing a comedy Scrooge. It's, yeah. it's let's but let's not dwell on Sorry. Muppets Christmas Carol. But we really <laughs> appreciate every time like we've had a few people like marathon stuff. And like mm. every time I get a notification on the box, not included Twitter, mm. uh, somebody's listening and things like that, it makes me really happy. So, so thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you, guys. Um, I'm not going to dwell on this much, but we've got ideas for how we're going to yeah, tweak the format. Yeah, maybe? we're going to shake things up around here. Yeah, I think we love geeking out. And I think we're coming to a point where there's still lots to talk about, but there's not, none of these giant dangling f- fruit of topics we about... might still do like the odd one-off where we heavily focus on a thing oh, yeah, but yeah. i think we, we want to try and ha- make an episode more like a bit of a topic a bit of a catch-up a bit of a no box yes so um, we can give you all the different fr- we'll make it neapolitan instead of just a big <laughs> bowl of chocolate ice cream it's gonna be like the rainbow flag yeah um, a bit of everything you like and we have lots of uh we want to have more guests and things but please do send in ideas and things you please. want us to talk to, talk us about um, we also would like to talk about our amazing sponsor, Beastly Beverages. They're back. They're beastly. 
They sell beverages. <laughs> they are fandom and fact- uh, fantasy luxury hand blended loose leaf tea and tea related geeky paraphernalia. Business is queer owned, all ingredients are organic and fairly traded, and almost all the products are suitable for vegans. And if you're listening to us on Monday or the week it came out, a very important announcement. It's the Black Friday sale. Whoop, another whoop, thing. Whoop, whoop. Another thing that America does that we don't quite understand. But we've but started doing. <laughs> we've started doing. And BC Beverage is no different. Um, they are already selling these uh, great tote bags. They're great. I love the art on them. Yeah, there's an adorable sort of UFO one. They've got one with mermaids. We've got mermaids. There's a McCree Hanzo or McHanzo. Is that how it's called? Oh, the urge to buy one and send it to Matt Mercer. No. <laughs> uh, great little tote bags. And tote bags do come in handy. Um, yes. And if you buy them this Friday, um, any of the tote bags, BC Beverage is going to fill that bag with surprise BC Beverage goodies. Oh, so you get like the bonus of a mystery box, but in a awesome in a bag, bag. format. Yeah. So That's if you want one of those, be sure to check the website on Friday, and that is bcbeverages.com. They've also got a Patreon, a Facebook, a Tumblr, a Twitter, and an Instagram. Twitter's a great place to find out when the sale starts. Yes, and uh, also you can vote on new tea blends. Uh, Gabe will often ask for feedback or when they're, uh, when he's considering new things. Mm-hmm. I believe there is going to be D&D yeah. inspired stuff. The fact that Gabe has not consulted me directly, I'm trying not to take <laughs> personally. Um, I'm available. If you use the sponsor code Beverage Beast, all one word, capital B's, to, you can get free shipping when you spend twenty pounds or more. And uh, I think the tote bags are fifteen pounds. And BC Beverages ships worldwide. And once again, that code is Beverage Beast. Before we go back, I have one more thing to shout out to. Well, I haven't finished my beverage. Oh, yet. I'm very sorry. <laughs> so oh. please, please keep going. You will throw a hat at you oh, and just No, it's fine. You just throw me off my game. It's fine. No, no, I haven't finished. We're still in our tea break. I haven't finished my tea. Right. While you uh, finish your tea, uh, we have mentioned before our amazing producer, Graham, uh, and his synthwave duo, Glitterwolf, their album, their mm-hmm. debut album uh. is coming out very soon. Uh, it's being mastered as we speak. And... You've heard a couple of tracks from the album. I have... You guys have exclusive access to hear another track from the album and so we're going to end our tea break with a bit i'm not going to tell you which track because i haven't decided which one it's going to be yet <laughs> but enjoy some uh synthy goodness as you finish off your beverages and we will be right back <laughs> talk about games yeah um i just a per- quick quick quickest of shout outs to uh since we lasted a catch-up mario odyssey has come out and i've completed it and it's lovely uh-huh 
as ever, problems I have with Nintendo's obsession with damsels in distress. They kind of double down in this game in a way that frustrates me. Um, But it's still so delightful. Yeah. And it's actually... um, We all know Nintendo owns you. Nintendo owns me. And uh, you're wearing a Mario sweatshirt (laughs) right now. Um, It's uh, it's just lovely. I love it. I didn't like it straight away. Oh right! In a way that I have other games. I was quite disappointed for the first sort of couple of hours. Ah! And I was only actually completing the game and like seeing it as a whole. I kind of really got it and loved it. And I just was only mentioning it mainly because I have now got. And ordered everything for <laughs> my next cosplay, yes. which is Luigi's First Pride, <laughs> which is... I'm excited. I've got short uh, dungarees, uh-huh. and I've ordered a bunch of patches on Etsy, and I'm going to put a big star on my butt. Um, That's precious. <laughs> I've got, like, a handkerchief covered in booze, the ghosts, yeah. that I'm going to, like, stick in my back pocket as well. Be- Check the code. I'm going to check the code. I don't know what ghosts mean. <laughs> um, I'm going to shave that moustache. I've got it already and I'm really excited. Uh, is that going to be uh, MCM, that one? That'll probably be MCM. Yeah, yes. MCM. In which case, I will do Dyke Daisy <laughs> at Pride with you. Thank you very much. We'll look into what we can... Uh... The, the problem, of course, playing variations mm. of Nintendo characters is very few of them have very strong personalities. So it's... Uh, Luigi has the most, yeah. I think. But I'll figure something out. We'll figure something out. Cool. Um, Speaking of being uh, gay, <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my la- least gra- uh, graceful segues. <laughs> yes, the, the topic of our podcast, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have had uh, some new stuff, because BlizzCon has happened since our last catch-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got that really cool Honor and Glory uh, short about Reinhardt. Yes. Uh, which also features Torbjorn's Hot daughter. Fucking hot daughter. Yeah. We like arms. We like... It's good. They're good arms. They're good arms. But um, what I really want to talk about, and this is partially because I watched some people playing Overwatch briefly, which I cannot watch people playing it for very long because it kicks off my motion sickness Mm -hmm. so bad. I'm hoping that if I play, it will be better because I will be in control of the camera at least. However, Mm -hmm. what has really inspired me to want to play Overwatch is the release of a new hero. I use the term hero <laughs> loosely. Let's talk about Moira. Yeah, I I uh, downloaded the update and played with her for uh, like an hour yesterday because I know I wanted to mention her. Mm. Um, she's fabulous. <laughs> Dear Blizzard, thank you for giving me the gift of an androgynous dressing evil red-headed scientist. Much love. Jade. <laughs> yeah, I think there's the only the only backlash I've heard is just that she's meant to be in her late forties and Blizzard's not very good at showing that Age? on female characters specifically. Yeah. Um however, I won't talk about this much because I don't really know what to talk about about it, but the Irish followers on Twitter adore her yeah because they don't get good representation very much and despite her being a evil super villain so yeah they are saying like in terms of being irish this is one of the best representations ever um i don't trust blizzard enough to resist giving her a leprechaun skin one day or something like that mm-hmm. but at least initially someone who can outdrink jesse mccray though <laughs> yeah uh they are 
I, it's just really nice seeing a, commu- a community that doesn't feel yeah. like they get much representation that they like. Yeah. Uh, feel very satisfied. And I approve of all the, um, like, the shipping that's already happening, the hate <laughs> shipping of Mercy and Moira. Yes. Because even I can tell Layman that knows very little. I mean, we haven't talked about Overwatch since episode two. Mm. Uh, but, like, the dark counterpart, like, she is Talon's yeah. Mercy. She, yeah, she's a... Uh, she... You don't need both on your team, basically. Because no. I found it interesting because I'm in the little preview video, just like, she is the reason for, that Gabe became Reaper. Yep. I say Gabe, forgetting that. Beast, not Beastly Beverages, Gabe. <laughs> Gabe, um, your rest. Yeah, I think uh, whenever there's a new character, there's like a cycle of people saying... She's over, like they're over. Oh, I mean, she. Most of the new characters have been women. Yeah. Um, it's like she's overpowered. She makes certain characters useless. Then there's a cycle of she's useless herself. Yeah. No one ever wants to play as her, and then everyone goes back to normal and just plays as who they want to play as. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I am hoping. I think I will possibly try to do a Moira cosplay at some point. Uh, nice. Pre the mods, like. That fitted waistcoat look with the shirt and tie that made my make I had to bite I bit my fist. Like it was literally a I believe when they released that video I literally requote tweeted going, Oh no. Oh no, <laughs> yeah. oh no, oh no. She's uh I don't know. It's, it's the just, fact that she's got an Irish accent though, this is gonna ruin me. She's um she looks like Annie Lennox mm. and like Ziggy Stardust and I can go red. Yeah, her her like uh, skins are so glam, ridiculous. Yeah, no. Her color is purple, mm. and she anime runs. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> she like goes do 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 do. Beautiful. Um, I also really like playing as her because when you play as her, your screen you just see her like fingernails and nails are sort of like doing that. Yeah, that's the one argument that she's not a lesbian. Well, maybe she just likes to... Let's not not dwell too much on that. uh... Maybe they're just stuck on. She like clicks them off. (laughs) (laughs) I love... The just like weird implied thing in Overwatch is that everyone is just so into themselves and their aesthetic and like... Yeah. Spends all of their money on... Uh, like, making this, yeah. Making on haircuts. I just and... love that... When I think, like, the Overwatch main side is so ridiculous, but then if you go over to Talon, you have fucking Widowmaker, Reaper, Moira, and Sombra. It's just like, how extra do you need to be, guys? There's like... a, in her, like, reveal trailer, there's a picture of them all sat around, and it's like, how do you not know you're the League of Evil? <laughs> like... <laughs> You look like in House of Mouse when it cuts to the villain's table. <laughs> like, look at your colour scheme. Like, like one of you is literally in, smoking. Gabriel looking in the mirror, like, are we the baddies? baddies. Yeah, I'm wearing a skull. <laughs> um, yeah, it's good. It's very good. Um, Nobody ever said Overwatch was subtle. No, I think that's why people like it. That's true. Um, Briefly, Briefly. Uh, have we had fun in our tabletop games, that, our commitments? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, my Thursday night game, I've been playing an Elegion Druid. Uh, we, I've had a few sessions with her now. She um, accidentally became the most um, me character because I took a perfectly good D&D character and gave it autism. Um, 
<laughs> but it's kind of amazing because it happened without me really trying. But she uh, is wonderful and I'm having a really good time playing siblings mm-hmm. with one of the other players. That was great. And I took part in a 24-hour live stream for Extra Life doing D&D. I think I may have mentioned in a previous episode that I took part in a different one with my usual streamed game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this was fun, uh, playing high-level characters. I was playing a tabaxi rogue, which was fun, and uh, we were in the demon wastes, and we all got heavily corrupted and things like that, and it was uh, it was really good fun. And that group managed to raise uh, $666 for Extra Life, which is a really cool charity. So uh, That's amazing. Yeah, next year I think we're going to do it again. And um, what's really cool is like I got involved with this group through a friend of mine, and uh, I think I'm going to be joining an ongoing game with some of them as well. And I'm, I've am i met uh, one of the DMs involved in that process is a, a guy called Mike. And we're really sort of connecting as sort of creators. We're on a very similar wavelength, which is mm. very cool for me. And um, I'm currently building a character uh, for the ongoing game, as well as a character for a one shot, which is in the world of that game, but like 300 odd years later, who is very fun. <laughs> mm. uh, how about you? What about you? Well, uh unintentional hiatus of Monster Hearts um, finally ended and I've done two sessions. Hell yeah! Since last talked, which is great. We just kept cancelling for various reasons. We're all so busy and prone to illness. Sure. Um, but it's brilliant. And in the last session particularly, I questioned... Because this is my first game, but I'm the only person who's played Monster Hearts... Who's never played Monster Hearts. Yeah. I was like... I couldn't work out how other Monster Heart games would be different. Right. And I was like saying, so is this just the moment when we all reveal what monsters we are? And they were like, often that never happens. And oh, often, right. like, they talked about a game in which none of their characters met. Oh, wow. Until, like, the very, very end. And, like, one game where one of the characters never knew that another character existed. Um, so it's just really interesting because I was, I was thinking, oh, is this just how every game goes? Because I was really pushing for, like, us all talking about our feelings. Mm. But apparently we are, A, with the longest any of them have gone in Monster Hearts without us hooking up. Uh-huh. <laughs> and also with the most, like, chummy friendshipy that we've ever been. Oh, cool. Um, and, like, one of us has, like, kissed each other now. And mm. it was, like, a big deal. But they've all played games where they're all, like, having an orgy by halfway through the first session. And it's just, it's nice how just the the, the way we've, created a story together without discussing what to do just the kind of mood of it um it's really fun and that my character is moving my character who is a fae who i was always playing is like all reluctant guilty about being a fae whatever Mm -hmm. i took a trip to the fairy world of my ex and i got a massive dose of like hey power's fun so i had this kind of weird night of like manipulating people and uh, creating all kinds of promises and it was really fun. Cool. And one of the other players could find out a secret about me. That, um, oh, did they get to use their move? Yeah, and so they now know that my character secretly wants to own everybody on the world in the world. Ooh. And I was like, wait, that does not work with how you act because you're always so dorky and like, it's really fun. Cool, cool. Um, makes me happy. Maybe, and do we want to maybe mention games that we're not in, but we listen to or watch? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Critical Role. 
had their season finale and Jesus fucking Christ, I wept a lot. It was a very wonderful end to the season. Um, I won't go into details, but uh, if you're interested, um, I really do recommend it. Uh, It's gradually being released as a podcast. I think they've got like 60 episodes now. But that campaign is finished, and so you can sort of watch it at your leisure. The Mm -hmm. new campaign will be starting in the new year. What I've really enjoyed is seeing them play some other games as one-shots. They've played a bit of Vampire the Masquerade, which obviously I'd heard of, Mm. but didn't know, and that looks fun. But um, last week they played Honey Heist, which is where you are bears (laughs) doing crime. And it was such a fun sweet... I should link you to the episode. I think you'd have fun watching that one. I was wondering if the next arc would be in an okay place to jump on I think so yeah um, I, I I think so I, I I kind of got frustrated when I was trying to catch up to the adventure zone while it was happening and yeah. the, the finish line kept getting moved back yeah um, so I think jumping on and then going back at my leisure is yeah, probably I'll more likely po- I'll keep you posted thank you uh, but speaking of adventure zone how are you enjoying commitment um we're not we haven't listened to this week's episode so you no. will not be spoiled. um it's interesting. It's everything they have said about it in term like metally yeah. being like we don't know if it'll work, we're just trying things out very much holds true. Yeah. Um I think my my only well, my issue at the moment is I was okay with them being quite loose with the rules on D&D because yeah. you didn't know them as well. I didn't know them as well, but also Everyone knows D&D quite well, or, like, the kind of, the core of it. Yeah. Um, and it has a very extensive rule book you can get anywhere. And I just have a little more worry that because Fate is less unknown, and this is going to be a lot of people's first interaction with Fate, yeah. that how off-book they are yeah. sometimes might have a bit more lasting impact on how people play Fate than... Like, when you go into their D&D thing, you're like, I know they're not playing it properly. This is, like, story yeah, first. Sure. Whereas, I've been listening... I've listened to the two episodes and not really noticed them using Fate. They've they've they got characters... They roles. And- yeah, they've got character sheets, but even the roles aren't quite... They're not the way I was taught Fate. Yeah. Um, well, I feel you. Yeah. I like the characters. Same. Mm, so. It's throwing me slightly that originally their characters were... Like, I, I love all the fan art. I've drawn fan mm. art of uh, Taz before. But they sounded like their characters so much... Yes. ...that ultimately I did imagine them. Yeah. Um, whereas now they're playing characters who are very different to themselves. Except kind of Griffin. Except kind of Griffin, yes. Uh, mm. Big jumpy boy. Eight-foot Eight vertical, vertical leap. leap. <laughs> um... I don't know. I, 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 it's, it's just interesting. I'm, I'm finding myself looking forward to the next <laughs> arc. Yeah. Possibly more than the next episode of this one. But we're still tuning yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, just while on the subject still of podcasts, a quick one. Um, I want to give a shout out to Polly AM radio, mm-hmm. um, which is just a topic close to my heart uh it's a uh, uh yeah uh, it's kind of what it says on the tin uh sort of not quite an advice show but talking about uh being uh polyamorous mm-hmm. and uh it's very cool there are only a couple of episodes in 
the hosts are very charming and lovely and um, I'm enjoying it very much. So if that's uh, something that you find is relevant to your interests or your life, uh, then do check it out. Mm. Um, lastly. And lastly, I, I know both of us have committed to a lot of podcasts. I say having not done any, released anything yet, unlike you who are but four kn- episodes into the podcast. Yeah, but I do know that... I'm that doing work. You're doing a lot of work for this one. There's yeah. a reason it's not out yet. Um, we, yeah. Despite that, <laughs> uh, despite the fact that Hamish is also working on Husbands. Yes. I'm, which I'm, you have mentioned before. I don't feel that's a spoiler. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm, I, we've just gone past when our release date was going to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's no but, hurry with that. I live with him. <laughs> yeah. But uh, at the uh, at MCM, uh, Hamish and I got talking and we kind of had an idea for another podcast. Yeah, I don't think this will obviously tick everyone's box, but it's... We've talked before about wanting to do rewatch some things that we both love. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. we're thinking of doing a watch-along podcast. Of Futurama. Yeah. Not The Simpsons. This is not a Simpsons podcast, and there's many Simpsons podcasts, but there's actually very few Futurama podcasts. Yeah. um, Especially kind of retrospective ones. Yeah, I mean, we're both fans of the show. Mm -hmm. Though, um, although we watched a lot of the early stuff, I don't think I watched the latest, later seasons. No, I definitely didn't see how it ended. So we're looking forward to sort of... Going, we found like we were quoting it on the bus and we didn't stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, like an hour or so journey. And we were just like, huh, I feel like this is a uh, grounds for discussion. And I think it'd be a fun thing to do on, on the side where we both know what episode we're watching and we just watch it. And yeah. And uh, this will be a, a fun one that we think we can easily get people in to join us mm. and like offer their thoughts on the odd episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, we're excited. I'm just excited to rewatch it. Yeah, me too. Um, it's been a while since I watched any of it. Yeah. Um, we do have uh, a name. Yep. We are probably going to keep. Do we want to tell them? Yes. You do it. Okay. Our podcast is going to be called Good, Good News, News, Everyone! everyone. <laughs> uh, so if that sounds like something you'd like to listen to... Um, tell us that that's something you'd like to listen to. I'm not going to do what I usually do, which is like, make the Twitter, tweet loads of things, design the things. Um, We're going to just try and find time next time I come down, maybe to... Watch an episode. Yeah. Be fun. I'm very excited. Me too. Um, We have talked so much this episode. This has to be our longest one. But there's been so much. Yeah, this is what happens when we don't talk more. So you guys get to hear the the delightful brunt of it. (laughs) Hopefully it was entertaining for you to listen to. If you would like to get in contact with us, talk about any of that. Um, or to have, tell us to shut up. Yeah, we have our individual Twitters. I'm Jade Oxford Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And of course, uh, there's Box Not Included on Twitter as well. Um, we have a Facebook group, uh, which we talk about a lot. Um, <laughs> Just search. You can find that easily enough. Just give it a search. And, and please send emails to us at boxnotincluded.gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Suggestions, feedback. Uh, we mentioned the new format, like... Mm-hmm. And also, if we're going to do that, we will need more questions on the regular. Yes. So please just keep sending in anything you want us to talk about. And as always, we'd like to thank Graham Waller, Audio Overlord, Master of the Soundwave, for our theme music. He helps produce the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the little snippet you got <laughs> from uh, the Glitterwolf's album Spectrum. I did. I hadn't heard it yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, you can check out more of his work at GrahamWaller.com and you can... Hopefully soon, buy the album Spectrum. Check out uh, glitterwolf.bandcamp.com. But until next time, 
I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And don't let anyone box you in.